Hey, faithful listener, welcome to season six of the Bible Explained podcast, the podcast where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and enjoy today's discussion from the book of Judges. Well, good morning, faithful listeners, and happy Friday. It has just been a beautiful week this week for me. Just an absolutely gorgeous, sun-filled, temperate, cool week. It's been wonderful. And I can see the leaves slowly beginning to change where I'm at. They're already turning a nice little orange, orangey color. But guys, I have a special episode coming out tomorrow that I'm really excited about. As you all know, if you've been tuning into the podcast regularly, you know that the podcast just hit half a million downloads, which is a huge milestone, I think. So I did a special YouTube episode that's already up on YouTube. You guys can go watch it right now if you want to. But I'm taking the audio from that YouTube video and I'm going to air it as a podcast tomorrow. And that is just in celebration of hitting half a million downloads. It's going to be basically the same thing as the YouTube video. But still, I'm going to air it tomorrow in a podcast format. And you're going to find that wherever you normally listen to podcasts at. So look forward to that because I am interviewing my sister. She's going to talk a little bit about our IFB, Independent Fundamental Baptist upbringing. We're going to talk about the regulations with the IFB church regarding dress Uh, translation of scripture, music, and we're also going to share with you a CD that we did, that she and I did together. Mostly my sister did it, but I helped her in in some of the songs. We're going to share that with you. We're going to play one of the songs off of that CD, and we're going to talk about that song in particular, and it is an IFB CD. So that's something you guys can look forward to in tomorrow's special YouTube episode. But honestly, I just want to thank all of you guys for helping the Bible Explain podcast to hit half a million downloads. You guys are all awesome. And honestly, it just shows that that you guys are interested in scripture. And I think that's the most uh, exciting thing about that is you guys are tuning into a biblical podcast to listen to scripture. So that is something to celebrate. So thank you guys so much. But let's go ahead and read Judges chapter 10 today, the entire chapter, but it's a short chapter. We're going to talk about Israel once again turning away from God to serve the Baals. But this time, God has a different response when the Israelites cry back out to him. And this is one of my favorite chapters in all of Judges. I love this chapter. I love Judges all on its own, but this particular chapter in Judges is truly one of my favorites. So let's go ahead and read this. This is Judges chapter 10, verses 1 through 18, the whole chapter. And as usual, I'll be reading out the W.E.B. version or the World English Bible. But feel free to grab the version of the Bible that you prefer and also grab your cup of coffee or your cup of tea this morning. And let's enjoy reading some scripture together. After Abimelech, Tola, the son of Pua, the son of Dodo, a man of Issachar, arose to save Israel. He lived in Shamir in the hill country of Ephraim, He judged Israel for 23 years and died and was buried in Shamir. After him, Jair, the Galeadite, arose. He judged Israel for 22 years. He had 30 sons who rode on 30 donkey colts. They had 30 cities, which are called Havath Jair to this day, which are in the land of Gilead. Jair died and was buried in Kaman. The children of Israel again did that which was evil in Yahweh's sight and served the Baals, the Ashtoreth, the gods of Syria, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, 
the gods of the children of Ammon and the gods of the Philistines. They abandoned Yahweh and didn't serve him. Yahweh's anger burned against Israel, and he sold them into the hand of the Philistines and into the hand of the children of Ammon. They troubled and oppressed the children of Israel that year. For 18 years, they oppressed all the children of Israel that were beyond the Jordan in the land of the Amorites, which is in Gilead. The children of Ammon passed over the Jordan to fight also against Judah and against Benjamin and against the house of Ephraim, so that Israel was very distressed. The children of Israel cried to Yahweh, saying, We have sinned against you, even because we have forsaken our God and have served the Baals. Yahweh said to the children of Israel, Didn't I save you from the Egyptians and from the Amorites, from the children of Ammon and from the Philistines? The Sidonians also and the Amalekites and the Maonites oppressed you, and you cried to me, and I saved you out of their hand. Yet you have forsaken me and served other gods. Therefore, I will save you no more. Go and cry to the gods which you have chosen. Let them save you in the time of your distress. The children of Israel said to Yahweh, We have sinned. Do to us whatever seems good to you. Only deliver us, please, today. They put away the foreign gods from among them and served Yahweh. And his soul was grieved for the misery of Israel. Then the children of Ammon were gathered together and encamped in Gilead. The children of Israel assembled themselves together and encamped in Mizpah. The people, the princes of Gilead, said to one another, Who is the man who will begin to fight against the children of Ammon? He shall be head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. Can't you see how amazing this chapter is? This is why this is my favorite chapter. It's just an amazing chapter. It really shows us God's personality, God's grace, and how even when the people sinned so badly, God was still grieved over their misery. But to start in verse one, it talks about Abimelech again. <laughs> it says, after Abimelech happened, this guy Tola arose to save Israel. So we don't know the history of this Tola person. We don't know who he saved Israel against, but we do know that he was the judge after the whole fiasco with Abimelech. Tola judged Israel for 23 years, and then he died, and he was buried in Shamir. Now, because Tola was barely at all mentioned in scripture, I'm going to assume that really he was not the best judge. Typically, when a judge is mentioned in more detail, it's because they did something great for God or they were extra evil. There's like no in between. So the fact that this guy isn't mentioned kind of just makes me think that he was neither really for God, but also not against God. He was kind of a typical like fence sitter kind of judge is what I think. Now, granted, none of this that I just mentioned is stated in scripture. It doesn't say much about Tola at all. He just it just mentions his name, really, and that he judged Israel for 23 years and then died. And then after Tola, this guy, Jair, who was a Gileadite, in other words, he was from the land of Gilead, he judged Israel for 22 years. But it does mention something about him. It mentions that he had 30 sons who rode on 30 donkey colts, and they had 30 cities, which are called Havath Jair to this day, <laughs> which are in the land of Gilead. So this shows that Jair definitely thought of himself as more of a king-like figure. Because he had 30 sons, 
Not to mention, I'm sure, how many daughters he had. This means that he had multiple wives. Because no woman <laughs> that I know of, unless she's like super woman, no woman can have 30 children and live that I know of. I, I don't think so anyway. So this absolutely means that he had multiple wives, not to mention the opulence that his sons lived. It says that they all had 30 donkey colts that they rode around on and they each had a city all of their own. So that just kind of shows that this man, Jair, with his 30 sons, thought of himself as more of a king-like figure, similarly to how Gideon did, a handful of judges before Jair. And uh, you can see some problems that arose with Gideon, with his 70 sons, and how Gideon was you know, living this very kingly lifestyle, but that's not what the judges were supposed to do. The judges were supposed to judge Israel. That's what they were for. They weren't the kings. There was no monarchy happening here. The judges were supposed to work side by side with the priest, with the priests and the high priest, rather. And they were supposed to judge Israel and interpret God's will. So that's what the, the judges were supposed to do. Now, of course, we see that the judges are always straying from what they're really supposed to do to do something else. And so, unfortunately, this man, Jair, thought of himself more as a king, probably, than he did just a, a judge who was under God's rule. So it says Jair uh, judged Israel for 22 years and then he died and was buried in Camon. So after this, after these two judges die, it says the children of Israel again did that which was evil in Yahweh's sight. And they served the Baals, the Ashtoreth, the gods of Syria, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab and the gods of the children of Ammon and also the gods of the Philistines. So basically they're worshiping every other god that they can possibly worship of that time period other than Yahweh, or at least in addition with Yahweh. So they abandoned their promise with God. They abandoned the covenant they made with Yahweh to go and serve these other gods. And what I think is that they were probably serving the Baals all along, even while Tola and Jair, these, these other two judges, were alive. They probably were because while Abimelech was alive, it actually said that Israel had already gone down a really bad path of serving the Baals after Gideon died. But it never says anywhere with these two judges that Israel went back to serving Yahweh at all. It just mentions that these two judges existed and helped judge Israel, but it never says that Israel worshipped Yahweh only during the timeline of these two judges. So I can imagine that after these two judges died, Israel just went off the deep end completely and totally abandoned Yahweh, completely abandoned him. So I think that the majority of them didn't worship Yahweh at all. It says they abandoned Yahweh and didn't serve him. So that kind of means that, yeah, they weren't serving Yahweh and these other gods of the regions. They were only serving these other gods because it says they didn't even serve Yahweh at all. They totally abandoned him. The people thought it was smarter to go and worship these fake handmade gods rather than worship Yahweh God. And why do people always do this? I believe that there is just as much idol worshiping happening right here in America as there was back in the days of Israel. Now, we may not bow down to little figurines 
that are made by human hands. But America is bowing down to everything else. America is worshiping what these gods in the Old Testament represent. Because these gods in the Old Testament represent self. Think about it. They were made with human hands. They were fake. They were handmade. And because they were handmade, the people could make these gods into whatever they wanted to make them into. And excuse me if children are nearby. If there are children listening to this podcast, you may want to uh, turn the podcast off for a later time because I'm going to get into some some stuff here. So the people would make up these gods and just assign whatever they wanted to this god. And so they'd be like, oh, you know, this god here is the god of sex. So that means in order to worship the god of sex, we have to go do weird sexual things with our neighbors as much as we possibly can. And so that's how we worship this god of sex. And if we go, you know, have sex with everybody and do orgies and whatever else, that means that we're going to be blessed with fertility, which, by the way, the goddess Asherah, who the people were serving here, was the goddess of fertility. And as I've mentioned before on the podcast, the Asherah poles that people would erect were giant uh, phalluses. OK, so it's, it's all circular logic. And that it just shows like how people aren't very creative. You know, we see that they're the gods way back in the old days were often like ambiguous. You don't know what gender they really are. And the fact that Asherah was a female, supposedly a female goddess, but yet her Asherah pole looked like a male genitalia. It just it's none of it makes any sense. It's all the same thing recycled over and over and over again. And it's the exact same thing people are worshiping nowadays. All of it is do what thou wilt. Way back in these days, it was do what thou wilt. And nowadays, it's the exact same thing in our modern society. There are no rules. Do what you want. Do what you wilt. It's all about self. It's all about self-gratification. There is no moral right or wrong. There is no uh, truth at all. Everybody has their own truth. It's the same thing over and over and over again. And God doesn't like this kind of behavior because there are rules in place. There will always be rules in place because God created the earth a specific way and he created rules to the earth. And if we just ignore those rules to do whatever we want, we are going against literally human nature and our own design to chase after lies. And lies are never going to make us fulfilled, ever. Not to mention, God doesn't like this kind of behavior because it, it literally pulls us away from him. We're chasing after everything that God tells us not to do. And that, that pulls us away from him. And God designed us so that we can have fellowship with him. God actually likes us. He likes you. And he created you because he wants to have a relationship with you because he likes you. And that's the same thing here with the Israelites. God gets angry because he's fully abandoned. He has no more relationship with his people. The people chose, chose not to have a relationship with him because they wanted to do their own thing. So they abandoned Yahweh and didn't serve him. And so God's anger begins to burn after many years of this going on, his anger starts burning. And so he sold them into the hand of the Philistines. So why did God do this? 
Well, because the people broke a promise to God. And God eventually took his hand of blessing off of the people and the Philistines start to invade. God has every right to do this. God made a promise with his people that they agreed to keep and they didn't keep their end of the bargain. And so God said, you know, if you don't keep your end of the bargain, this is what's going to happen. So that's what ended up happening. The Philistines come in and begin to oppress the people. And so critics out there who are like, well, why would God do something like that? Why would God take his hand of blessing off of the people if he loves people? You know, I don't want to be the person who worships a God who demands that I love him. Okay, well, what's God supposed to do? Just continue to bless you while you mock him and spit in his face over and over and over again? What's he going to do? He's already blessed the people so much. I mean, like I said, the the very beginning of this episode, the Israelites were already worshiping these gods while these two judges were alive. And yet God was blessing them. He gave them two judges. He gave them this guy, Tola, who who helped the people. And then he gave the, the people Jair, who also helped the people. And yet these people for 40-something years are continuing to worship the Baals after the whole fiasco with Abimelech in the last chapter. They're still worshiping the Baals. And so what, what do you expect God to do? To continue to bless these people who literally turn their back on him when he's blessed them so much already, when he continually saves them, when they're still worshiping other gods? No. Instead, he takes his hand of blessing away and he punishes his people because it says in scripture that those who God loves, he punishes because he wants the people to come back to him in the end. It's not for God, by the way. God doesn't punish us because he needs us to come back to him because he needs worshipers. He doesn't need anything. He's God. God punishes us for our own good. Because the way we were designed to be was to be in line with God's plan for us. The way we were designed way back in the Garden of Eden, when everything was perfect before humanity went and screwed everything up, it was perfection. That was how we were designed to be, to be in relationship with God. So if punishing us gets us back on the right track with that relationship with God, which is how we were designed to function, that punishment ultimately is good for us. So why wouldn't God punish the people that he loves so they get back in line with the original design of his plan? So he punishes the people here who have fully abandoned him. And it says the Philistines come in and begin to oppress the children of Israel who lived on the other side of the Jordan River. But then eventually the Philistines start making their way into the heart of the promised land. And that is when finally, after 18 years, That was when Israel became very distressed. So it says in verse 10 that the children of Israel cried to Yahweh and they said, we have sinned against you because we have forsaken our God and have served the Baals. So here's what's so interesting about this. And this is what people always do. They go and do their own thing. And then the second something bad happens, they come back to God. And it's true. God makes a very good point here in verses 11 through 14. He says, why don't you go and uh, cry out to the gods that you've been worshiping for the past several decades. Why don't you go cry out to them? Why are you crying out to me? 
ultimately everybody knows deep down inside that God exists. And so when trouble comes their way, why do you think people just start praying to God? I was actually recently listening to an interview of a young woman who was not a Christian. In fact, she was a Satanist, I believe. And she started just having these terrible nightmares at night. She was seeing things that she shouldn't have been seeing uh, in the room with her. And suddenly she cries out Jesus's name. Yet she didn't even believe in Jesus. She didn't recognize that Jesus was God. So how did she know deep down inside to cry out Jesus's name when she started becoming oppressed by the things that she was seeing in her room? And I think it's because everybody deep down inside knows that they have strayed from the original design of God's plan. And I think everybody deep down inside knows that God exists and that they were created by God. And so the Israelites here, they do the the same thing that many people do is once they feel distressed enough, they finally cry back out to God and they say, we have sinned, O Yahweh, by worshiping the Baals. And this is the first time ever that we see God deny his people. He says, you know, Israel, I have saved you from so many people. I have saved you from so many things, but I'm not going to do it this time. You go and cry out to your gods. And then in verse 14, he says, let them save you in the time of your distress. So the people answer Yahweh. We have sinned. Do to us whatever seems good to you. Only deliver us, please, today. And it says they threw out the foreign gods from among them and served Yahweh. And here's the beauty of this chapter. And his soul was grieved for the misery of Israel. It's a beautiful verse. That God was grieved because Israel was miserable. And spoiler alert, we're going to find out that God does in fact deliver them. (laughs) We're going to talk about that in the next chapter. But the fact that God was grieved over the misery of Israel just shows how compassionate he was, even though Israel was basically as far away from them at far away from him, I'm sorry, as they could get. They just decided to start worshiping Yahweh at that moment. And they say, God, you know, we will worship you right now, only please deliver us this time. So I don't know if the Israelites were being sincere or not. Scripture doesn't specifically say. But from the context, I personally think, this is my own opinion, that the Israelites were not as sincere as they could have been. I think that they wanted deliverance, but I don't think that they were really willing to do the work for that deliverance. Even though they said the right things, It doesn't seem like their hearts were in the right place because otherwise God wouldn't have denied them, I don't think, the first time around. And maybe their hearts changed after God denied them the first time around. But it just kind of reminds me of me when I was a little kid, (laughs) you know, when uh, I would get in trouble and my mom would like, you know, say, oh, you're not getting dessert tonight or something like that, something along those lines. Actually, we never had dessert. Uh, You're not getting this thing you wanted to do anymore because, you know, you were bad today. I'd be like, no, no. And I would do like everything I possibly could (laughs) to erase what I had done that morning so that I could get to the thing that I wanted to get. I don't remember being super sincere. I just wanted something. And so it just sort of, to me, kind of reminds me of that. It sort of seems like 
The Israelites don't want to take no for an answer from God. And so they're putting away their other gods to worship Yahweh. But I think, honestly, this was more of God just being merciful towards his people. I think he saw that their hearts weren't quite right, but yet he still grieved over the misery of Israel. He was grieved in his soul. Some versions actually translate he became impatient with Israel's misery, but most translations will say he grieved. And as we're going to find out, God does end up delivering them again from the Philistines. But to conclude this chapter, the people camped in Mizpah to come up against the Philistines. And the people, the princes of Gilead, said to one another, who is going to fight against the children of Ammon? He shall be head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. So to me, this last verse kind of shows that the people didn't take no for an answer because they were still going up against uh, the, the Ammonites in battle. And they are still saying, we need a judge. We need a judge. And whoever rises up to defeat these people is going to become our judge, basically. So God's kindness is very evident in this chapter. That even though the people sinned and even though they deserved punishment, God was about to relent on that punishment, even though the people's hearts were not fully turned toward him. Even though the, the people, in my opinion, only really wanted something from God and knew that God was the only God, real God, that could give them what they wanted. But yet, God was compassionate. God is grieving over the misery of Israel. And he is about to, once again, save them from their enemies, even when they don't necessarily deserve it. I can understand why God always considers himself a father <laughs> to his people, it's because he really is fathering these people, just as, you know, parents don't let their kid just go out and do whatever that kid wants to do because it's not good for that kid. You know, the, the parents are going to punish their children. And we see God doing the exact same thing with the Israelites time and time again. He's fathering them. He is our father and he likes us and he wants to have a relationship with us, but he will punish us to get us back on the right track for our good, the same way that any good parent punishes their kids because they love their children and want to have a relationship with their children. You can just kind of see God's like fatherliness, I think, in Judges chapter 10. That's why I love this chapter so much. It really shows God's nature and how good God really is to his people. Faithful listeners, I do hope you enjoyed today's episode, and I hope that you also join in for tomorrow's episode, special Saturday podcast episode with my sister, where we reveal the CD and we play a song for you off of that CD. We just talk a little bit more about the IFB Church and some of the requirements of the IFB Church. And my sister gives a personal story of behind the scenes with the CD and some of the, the, the crazy stuff that happened with that. Faithful listeners, I'll see you guys tomorrow for the episode. And uh, check out everything else that I do and P40 Ministries and the Bible Explained podcast do. That's all linked in the description of the podcast episode. Happy listening and God bless. <laughs>